Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of Broadcast and Politics with Fiscal and Falzone. Mark Falzone is not here today. Happy birthday, Mark. Uh, enjoy your birthday, and we'll definitely uh, catch up next week because we have another excellent program on the broadcasting politics. So a lot of things are happening, but one of the things that I want to bring up right away is the situation with the COVID vaccine. COVID vaccine, we have had some interesting development. For anyone out there who does not know, Moderna, which is one of the um, vaccine makers, and Pfizer, they were granted an emergency authorization use. What, What does that mean? That means because of the pandemic, they didn't have enough time to do a clinical trial on these vaccines. So they were granted an emergency authorization use. Now they were given a certain number, a certain timetable, two years. Pfizer was given up to uh, 2022 and Moderna 2023. What does that mean? That means that these two vaccine makers are basically doing clinical trials on the American people. And that's, there's no conspiracy there. That is a fact. The FDA, and you can check this, the FDA has not given, granted these two vaccine makers a license to do that. So they're doing their clinical trials now. In two years, they should be able to get the license. But for whoever tells you that these <laughs> trials, that they really did it, they, they, these are proven vaccines, they're lying to you because it's not true. Okay? And that's the reason there's a hesitation out there, not just in the United States. Half of the health workers, France, and other parts of Europe are hesitant and reluctant to take the, the vaccine. Now, in Europe, we've had an interesting development. 19, 17 countries have actually suspended AstraZeneca, which is the vaccine maker that's making the vaccines in Europe. In Canada, too, because of a block clot. Now, the European regulators and the the World Health Organization have come up and said, don't worry about it. It's safe. Yeah, there may be some issues, 
But it's safe. Well, I mean, the trust has been broken, not just in the United States, but all over the world. And people will be are reluctant and will continue to be reluctant because there's no trust, there's no credibility. I mean, who's the second largest funder of the World Health Organization? Let me take a guess. Oh, Bill Gates. Oh, <laughs> isn't that the guy who's pushing the uh, vaccine? Oh, he's the other guy who, on the COVID bill, the $1.9 trillion, $3.5 billion went to his global vaccination fund. How convenient, you know? So we definitely have a lot of issues in regards to the vaccination. But there's hope. There's hope. Today, Rand Paul was at a hearing with Fauci. And I like Rand Paul, the way, what he said. He said, listen, you got vaccinated, right, um, Dr. Fauci? Yeah. Then why are you still wearing two masks? Why are you, is, this, is this a political theater? So that's, we are exposing them for the lies. You know, if they would be, able to be truthful, we would appreciate it. Let me bring on, um, let me bring on our guest. Uh, his name is Patrick Wood. He is a free speech First Amendment analyst, and he's coming on board right now. I'll tell you, I'm so excited about him coming on, on the program. Patrick, oh. how are you? Can Patrick? you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Maybe not. Back here. I hear you. Can you hear me? You're you're oh, you're sure. you're on the air. Okay, I hear you now. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Sometimes uh, technology works, and sometimes it tends to take a little longer to work. Well, so, <laughs> sometimes you turn it on top, too. You know. No problem. I, I was just basically saying to the – we have already two callers on the line uh, wow. that that you're a First Amendment analyst, and I was going to mention the rest, but I'll let you do it. <laughs> okay. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll follow your lead in any case. Okay, so basically, uh, Patrick is the founder and director of the Citizens for Free Speech, a nationwide nonprofit organization dedicated to protecting and defending the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. That's, uh, if you want to add anything else to it? Well, I've been at this uh, steady globalization for 45 years, um, written several books along the way, and currently... Uh, the state that we find ourselves in today is very serious, and it's a result of globalization process for those 45 years. <laughs> and basically, we've been crying the same thing all that time, that um, 
you know, it's going the wrong direction, guys. We're going to eventually we're going to hit a brick wall. It looks like we're almost hitting it right now. Right, right. Uh, things are constantly moving and changing in this uh, global world. And one of the things that I caught my attention right away was the relationship between big tech, Hollywood, and China mm-hmm. in censorship. I mean, yeah. if you ever go to China, and I've been there, uh, you know, the censorship is totally unreal. I mean, yeah. from logging in, they're hearing your conversation, they're monitoring your emails. I was there for two weeks, and one of my uh, colleagues basically had his email locked for two weeks wow. until he left because he, they didn't appreciate what he said. Uh, so censorship. So this relationship between big tech, Hollywood, and China, how long has that been going on? It's been building for a very long time. And there, there are two different problems, actually. Uh, probably ought to start with maybe with Hollywood first. Okay. And um, in the case of Hollywood, uh, China has made some very strategic investments into uh, production companies, real estate, so on in in the Hollywood area, where filming takes place. And uh, they have uh, bought shares and in individual actors and stuff that um, you know they they get a royalty uh, off of uh, whatever they get. And China is a huge market for uh, for Hollywood. And especially given that they're so short of money right now, like with the pandemic, for instance, I mean, all the theaters are shut for Pete's sake. <laughs> it's really tough. Um, they're going to do anything to preserve whatever income stream they have. And with China, China can tell them that they're going to allow their movies over there or not. This is the blackmail part of it. We will shut you off. We will cut you out. You will get nothing from us. And in the case of Disney, Disney has been doing a dance with China for decades. They have deep roots in China, and they're in the same boat right now. They they can't afford to cross China because China will cut off their income stream and they'll kill them, just flat out kill them. That, this is the danger of getting addicted, if you will, to somebody like China. It's a market that will eventually kill you, <laughs> and this is what's happening. In the case of big tech, it's a little different. Uh, Big tech, uh, collectively, now, I talk about the companies like Google and Twitter and Facebook and Amazon and Patreon and uh, MailChimp and, uh, I don't know, a host of others. uh, Right. You know, MasterCard, Visa, and so on. And a lot of the big banks, too, for that matter. These companies have grown up, started in America. They had addresses in America. Some of them started in people's garages, even. Legendary for, like, Bill Gates and Microsoft, supposedly. But I don't think that's true, by the way. But, you know, they say that. Um, So you have uh, big tech today, collectively, are no longer American companies. They have grown into be global companies. When I say global, they have their roots and their stake into all the other countries of the world, including China. And America is, in some sense, an afterthought to them. We see this especially with companies like Google. Now, we know that Google, for instance, um, has had a love affair with China for at least 15 years that I can think of, probably longer, but at least that much, because 
they have collaborated with China on a number of artificial intelligence projects on, uh, you know, geosurveillance type projects and stuff. And, uh, you know, some of the technology that Google uses here actually originated in China originally, but they've, uh, they've grown into being such a global company at this point. They have absolutely no allegiance to the United States. Hmm. And this is why people are scratching their head at companies like Google. How can you aid and abet the enemy, so to speak, um, and not take care of America first? Well, they, the answer is simple. They are not American companies anymore. They are global companies who happen to have an office um, in Sunnyvale or Cupertino or wherever in California. Uh, they might just as easily have bigger offices in Beijing or uh, Brussels or London, and they deal with each country, or each country deals with them on a case-by-case basis, but uh, they do not act and think like you would expect an American company to think. So, in, in the case, and again, just to, to kind of wrap it up with China, in the case with China, the roots are so deep in China, the investments are so deep, the cross-pollinization is so deep, that these companies cannot afford to cross China. For just, I mean, just a host of reasons right now, but they've been entangled with China, and China will not let them go. They just hang on to it. You know, say, you're going to obey us, or else we will fill in the blank, you know, whatever, whatever we're going to do to you. And they're very blunt about saying that. You know, there have been, there have been people in China who were arrested uh, for uh, dissent. Right. And whether it was right or wrong, I have no idea. But they were arrested for dissent in um, in China, and China will turn around and threaten relatives living in other countries, like America. Mm-hmm. It's like you say, what what business do they have to you know do anything in America? Well, they do, and they do it because it's just flat out blackmail, and that's the way they operate. So well, if, if if they were to tell a Google, if you don't do what we say. We're going to fill in the blank X, Y, Z. And, and Google knows that they will do what they say they're going to do. So yeah. they bow the Definitely. Uh, 908-433, do you have a question for Patrick? 3074, is that me? Yes, it is. Oh, um, this is my first time listening. My mom told me about you. So I don't really know how this goes, but I don't have a question as of right now, but I do, um, I did get your lanyards, Centers for Free Speech. Is that you? Oh, wonderful. Yes, I'm I glad ha- to I hear that. Thank yes. I bought 10 lanyards and I've been giving them out and I gave up my mask as much as I possibly can. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so we, we are alive Yes, we are alive and well in New Jersey and um, by Asbury Park, where it's very, very liberal. And I'm trying to wake yeah. some folks up. And, you know, so it's my first time listening. So, no, not yet. I don't have a question. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, I, I, I'm a big New Jersey guy, so <laughs> New York guy. But what, was the, what was the caller's first name again? What was? Oh, I'm Michelle. 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 Hi, Michelle. Yep. Uh, you can yep. keep your eyes Hi. open, by the way, for for some uh, virtual, uh, some CFFS virtual meetups that we're going to have around the country uh, using electronic platform to get people together in their own states. And uh, we have quite a few members in New Jersey, believe it or not. And I, people like you need to meet those other members <laughs> to get together yeah. and start 
think about I, ways to make yeah. some trouble for all this. Definitely. No, we. I need to learn how to get out there more and, um, you know, go to some, some, well, whatever events you can. But, yeah, I try to be as active as I can and, and wake people up. I, it just amazes me how many people are still sleeping and don't see <laughs> what we see. But, you yep, know, indeed. we could just – yeah, definitely, so. definitely, Michelle. Thank you for uh, for bringing that up. And, and like I mentioned to you, Patrick, there was a uh, got a lot of a lot of uh, texts and, and emails of of everyone looking forward to hearing listening to you. Uh, getting back to the, this whole Google, um, I mean big tech. It also is just not Hollywood. Now we're looking at the NBA. The NBA also is basically dedicated to to China. They listen to China. Yes, they do. And again, it's for the basically for the same reason. It's about money. And China is a huge market for the NBA. They, they play games over there, and they have fans. Well, they used to have fans. I don't know what they're doing now, but um, it, it was a big, big market for the NBA. And, of course, uh, for all of the months that, the NBA is not playing in the United States. Their their teammates and their teams are off doing other things, like going to China and playing exhibition games. They don't want to tick China off, and I'm sure China has made the proposition very clear to them. You stop criticizing us. You you get get your players under control and stop bad math in China, or we will cut you off. And that was just the deal that was made to them. Yeah, and, we, we... Uh, so the, yeah. So the team owners and stuff, they said, look, you guys shut up about China. You're going to ruin our, you know, the goose. You're going to kill the goose that laid a golden egg over there. <laughs> Definitely, and, and and we saw evidence of that when when uh, when the Hong Kong scenario, where there were so many uh, dissidents, uh, individuals of uh, freedom fighters in Hong Kong opposing the new totalitarian system that the Chinese government was was trying to implement in in Hong Kong, and all these. Social justice freedom warriors in the NBA were basically quiet because they didn't, like you said, they didn't want to upset the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. That's right. And, you, you know, it's, it's you look at the cancel culture. I'm sure we're going to hit this sooner or later, I suppose. Yeah. The censorship, the censorship slash cancel culture in America right now. And it's a horrible thing to get censored out of existence. Um, it, it's very demeaning. It's very uh, depressing for people and companies to just be, you know, wiped out of a social media platform, wiped out of Google search engine. Um, so you can imagine uh, how, you know, how embedded the NBA and individual players are with China, and they're dependent on China for a good part of their income and a good part of the strokes and kudos they get. And China has investments here anyway that, that are alongside the NBA. And so if China says, look, um, to, I don't know, the Lakers, for instance, um, you don't shut so-and-so up, you ain't coming to China next year. So, holy crud. You know, I mean, that gets their attention, right? Right. The Chinese are just that blunt. You, you know, they look like kind of, you know, mild-mannered, uh, laid-back, whatever. But I'm telling you, I know this for a fact. The Chinese diplomats are blunt as a boulder. They just, you know, they just come right out and say what's on their mind. They do not beat around the bush like 
well, like other politicians in our country do, you know, let's try to bribe somebody here, get a bribe, whatever, you know, they just come right out and say it in China. They're very, uh, very pragmatic and very direct when, when they have to do business. And Definitely. this is what they've done with all these companies. And, you know, another thing to remember, too, is that China has had a tremendous influence on the university system in America through the so-called Confucius centers mm-hmm. that they established for cultural exchange on all of the campuses. And what, um, the, what, the, we, what America found ultimately was that those Confucius centers were as much spy centers for, for China as they were anything to do with cultural exchange. But they got embedded in the education system. And many of those Confucius centers have been closed. Um, if not, all of them maybe by now, I don't know. But uh, basically, President Trump drove them out of the country. He said, you're, right. you're done. Take it out of here. You're not, you know, shut that thing down. Quit spending resources from the university on these computer centers and kick them out of the country. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, one of the biggest, one of the biggest uh, beneficiaries of of the uh, the Chinese Communist Party has been the University of Harvard, Harvard University. Yeah. A lot of the Ivy Leagues, they get a lot of their money and from the uh, CCCP. The Chinese Communist Party. That's exactly right. And it's tough to, you know, once you get dependent on that kind of money, uh, and most people don't think through, I'm sure most universities and anybody else, they don't think through the issue. So if somebody dangles a million dollars in front of your nose and says, you know, I'd like to give this to you, you know, most people are going to, they're not going to think, well, what is it going to cost me now or later? They just say, dang, I'd, I'd like to have a million dollars. Yeah. And so they take it. And once right. they get it, after they're groomed a little bit, say, well, you know, how would you like another million dollars next year? Okay, so, well, you get another one, another million next year, and all of a sudden you're living as a dependent off of China. And at that point, if they say, you know, you're not behaving very well and, you know, our investment in you isn't working out, we're, we're going to cut you off. No more million dollars for you next year. That hurts. Yeah. And that's pressure. That's pressure. And that's exactly what happens. You know, once you get dependent on something, uh, you become a slave to it. Yeah, and, and that, that, that's been happening also on the, uh, on the U.S. government. We've basically been de- depending on, on China's uh, credit card, you know, providing that, that funding that, uh, that we get from them uh, in yes. regards. So where do we go from here in regards to the – the current scenario that you just outlined where with so many sports teams, yes. Hollywood, yep. politicians, which we haven't even touched yet, yes. and universities basically depending on on the Chinese Communist Party's money. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> I tell you, we're in a we're in a world of hurt. That that's why we're jumping up and down over here at Citizens for Free Speech. By the way, trying to rescue the First Amendment because if we lose the ability to communicate, we're done as a country, as a nation. Um, the founders of our nation said so very bluntly themselves. Uh, we're Constitutional Republic is predicated on free speech and freedom of uh, thought of idea and ideas, um, and. Right now, we've been so stifled on so many different fronts that 
uh, we're hanging by a thread. The First Amendment is hanging by a thread right now, and everybody knows, for Pete's sake, I mean, with all the censorship going on, free speech, which is part of the First Amendment, is just, I don't know, I, you could say it's hanging by a thread, but dang, it's an awfully small thread. <laughs> it's just <laughs> really, really tough right now. Um, so we've got to do something to fight this back. One of the problems that I have found uh, in my studies of globalization and now in my studies of technocracy, which I believe is a natural extension of globalization. Um, most of the people that most of the culprits that are behind what's going on today have not been recognized or identified um, either by ideology or in some cases by name. Now we can all point to a Jeff Bezos. We can point to a, an Eric Schmidt or uh, a Jack Dorsey, you know, okay, yeah, those guys are part of it, but there's there's or, thousands of other people. Or, or a Tim, Tim Cook from Apple? Yes, yes, exactly. We can point to those, and that, you know, that's a good place to start, but what is their ideology? Most people are saying today, well, uh, it's communism that's going to sink us. It's socialism or communism that's going to sink our ship. And I believe this is just patently not true. Um, what we're facing today is a new economic system that is otherworldly to anything we've been grown up with or anything, price-based economic system, uh, you know, free market economics and so on. This system called technocracy, which was developed at Columbia University in 1932 by engineers and scientists there, this system called technocracy is using technology, and this is what they predicted back then, to, um, to create a system of social engineering, number one, where they would manage the people of the country, and number two, that they would have an, a resource-based economic system, not free market economics, a resource base where they would control all the resources, and they would dole those out to, to the people that they felt were worthy to have them. They felt, egotistical as they were, that their, that their economic system was so powerful and so good uh, running everything by the scientific method, that a country would not even need to have a political system. Right. So they proposed to FDR when he became president uh, that, that FDR declare himself dictator to uh, just just implement technocracy outright and appoint all these technocrats to all the offices, the important offices, and get rid of. By the way, send Congress home. Don't need them. Send them, send the Senate home, and you know whatever. Let them do some at home and. You know, send all the the house home and most of the heads of the agencies and stuff. We'll just take over and do it. You won't need a political system. You won't have to worry about what the people are thinking and trying to negotiate because we will take care of them from cradle to grave, and they'll be happy, of course. And uh, you know, we'll give them enough uh, soma or whatever to make them happy all day long. And this is this was such an ego trip for these people. It's just inconceivable. But we see the, an, the antagonism between these technocrats like the, um, like the Jeff Cooks of the world um, at odds with our own government and other governments around the world. Governments are starting to feel the pressure from these big tech companies because they're out to push technocracy. They're not out to push free market economics at all. So at this point, the way the battle has shaped up, anybody who recites a narrative other than the ones they want to have recited, which are pro-globalization, of course, will be canceled, gone. Right. 
your your account will be canceled or locked or whatever, or or Google will just disappear you. And when I say disappear on Google, I, that, people may not understand what I'm talking about, but I'll give you an example. Uh, Dr. Joseph Mercola, who is a very popular mm-hmm. Internet um, alternative yes. health expert. Yes. Very good. Uh, I, I like him one a lot. Of the biggest, yes, one of the biggest in, on the Internet. Uh, still is, I suppose, but he really was. At one point, he had like 30 million visitors a month coming to his website. That's huge. Well, Google got mad at him because he was talking about, you know, talking against Big Pharma. Yes. That's a no-no with Google. So Google adjusted their algorithm to cut off 95% of the search traffic that went to his website. Boom. Just done. It took less than 30 days, and he, you know, they were noticing. They keep track of their own analytics, and they say, what's going on, man? I mean, Google is like... You know, we used to get all these people coming from Google searching for Mercola or, you know, some product or something, and all of a sudden, they didn't get the traffic anymore. Well, Google decided to deep-six them, and uh-huh. they did it with no fanfare. They're not elected. They're not um, accountable to anybody, obviously. And they deep-sixed Joseph Mercola. Of course, he's still in business, but I say deep-six. You know, they really killed his business for a while. Oh, Yeah. And Mercola had done nothing illegal, of course. He wasn't under any investigation for doing anything wrong. And yet Google took it upon their own a priori mentality to, to do away with them. Boom. This is technocracy. This is scientific dictatorship because there's no recourse. You know, uh, Mercola could have written letters to Google. He could have even sued him, I suppose, <laughs> You know, why are you ruining my business? I think you'd have every right to, in, in a way. Um, but Google just sits back and laughs. You know, you little pipsqueak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. we don't like you, uh, who cares? I mean, you could hop up and down all you want, but you're not going to get anything. So he could write letters to Google, and they just seemingly go in the round file. You know, as well, it's, a, it's our policy. You know, it's our terms of use. Uh, you violated those. Well, how did I violate them? Silence on the other side. They won't tell them. They won't tell them, yeah. So <laughs> it's just a dodge, just enough to get out of my face. That's it. So well, this is happening with big tech all over the place, and it's just absolutely unbelievable. You know, Google right now, not Google, but to Amazon, the biggest publisher or, or distributor of books in the world and one of the biggest publishers in the world, Google is disappearing legitimate book titles from his bookshelves right together boom gone and uh, you know when when an author and there's a lot of big ones um that use google or use amazon excuse me uh but amazon has has just been dropping people out of the um the whole system uh their kindle book disappears their audiobook disappears their main book disappears and even the google store or the excuse me the amazon store where booksellers sell, uh, like brick-and-mortar stores, can set up a, a, an Amazon store and market the used books that they have in stock. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of used books out there around the world. Um, they even dropped those stores or disallowed those stores from carrying those titles as well. I mean, it went really deep. This is like the book burning that took place during the Bolshevik Revolution right. and the German Revolution. Uh, no different except that it's electronic. It, well, nobody sees the flames. 
the digital era. Uh, Patrick, we have a question. 254-654, do you have a question for, for Patrick, for our guest? Mm, not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Patrick, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Chinese social credit system behavior. Oh, I am. <laughs> yes. So one of the things that I learned when I was in China was basically that this system will punish you and reward you. So mm -hmm. if you oppose the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and you're someone that basically is not part of the group, you will get punished, and you will totally be isolated. Your kids will not go to, uh, to any schools. You will not get a job. You, you, everything closes. Yeah. That's the type of system that I think they want to implement, the globalists want to implement around the world. Would you agree or disagree on that? Oh, that is absolutely the case, and they are doing it even as we speak right now. Um, the social credit system, by the way, um, is, is, I know it's easy to look and say, well, it's the CCP. But let me tell you, there's nobody sitting watching a screen, a computer screen somewhere with a, a, you know, the finger on a red button that has your name on it. And they're watching you just, oh, I'm going to push the button on this guy this time. Um, this is all done by artificial intelligence. Yeah. It's all algorithm at this point. This is a hallmark, again, of technocracy. And the reason I say that is because China has been identified as a technocracy, having morphed away from being a communist dictatorship to being a technocracy, a scientific dictatorship. And in so doing, they have been identified by even the global elite themselves as being a technocracy. And China now has taken it upon its own self to export its technocracy and its technocratic tools to every single country that they can get into, and that includes most of South America, most of mm -hmm. Africa, virtually all of Europe right now. And we see them coming back in through universities and research and stuff, even to the United States, um, where they're implementing a lot of the same stuff here. But this is what social engineering looks like, according to a technocrat. They set the algorithm up to measure parameters in, on your infor, in, in information on your situation. They're all of your you know, posts on any social media, your bank account, your, what you buy, where you go, um, do you travel, you know, do you have a car, what kind of car, even down to mundane stuff like um, uh, are you exceeding your carbon footprint at your house? <laughs> And all this is factored in by algorithm and artificial intelligence to decide whether you are worthy to continue as a good little citizen in whatever country you happen to be in. If it's China, that's exactly what they're doing at China. Exactly, yes. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, this, this, is, um, this is the horse of a different color that we're dealing with here. This is partly the reason that nobody has really been effective at resisting it. Nobody, re except outside nope. of people that are following my work, Virtually nobody uh, realizes or acknowledges that China and what's going on with the World Economic Forum's Great Reset and yes. uh, of, of Senator Markey and, and um, uh, Representative uh, Ocasio-Cortez uh, with their Green New Deal in, in America. You have sustainable development at, at the United Nations that they're 
promoting mm-hmm. all around the world. All these things are just synonym for technocracy. Definitely. And well, it will I- result in scientific dictatorship in the end, and it will be something that will be virtually impossible to escape from. Well, the, the target date, and I've been talking on this program for a while about the Great Reset, the different structures and, and, and what these lockdowns have been, uh, basically breaking it down from, from the, uh, the, the inception of the, uh, the virus to the lockdowns, that the Great Reset will not come into play until all the, all the control mechanisms around the world are set. And then that's when the Great Reset, and I, I'm looking, I might be wrong on the date, but I'm looking at 2030 as the actual date when, when the Great Reset will probably take effect. I, that's the target of the United Nations. That would be the, the 2030 agenda. Uh, yes. Call state 2030. I think they've accelerated, honestly, uh, looking at co- the COVID crisis. Well, supposed crisis. Um, but two things have to happen. Well, one thing has to happen. <clears throat> and Klaus Schwab has alluded to this. So have other world leaders picked yep. up the same language. You'll hear this term, build back better. Uh, yes. Politicians are saying this all over the world, different languages. Uh, and, of course, that emanated originally from Klaus Schwab. He said that. We're going to build back better. He also calls it, of course, the Great Reset. But here's the concept that's in their mind, and I've researched this enough to know that this is the concept in their mind. Building back better is a term that you would use. Let's say you had a nice house, and, you, of course, you probably had fire insurance on it. But let's say your house burned down and you lost everything. You'd be very sad for six months, for sure. Your life would be disrupted. You'd be depressed. Uh, you think about all the things you lost. And and then maybe in the end, you'd, uh, insurance companies would say, well, we're going to settle with you, and here's your check for uh, you know whatever, hundred thousands of dollars. Um, go build yourself a house or whatever. You know, have, have a nice life. I mean, that's kind of what happens. Eventually, after a house burns down, you come back, you get a little hope again, you get a little enthusiastic. You know, I could do this. I could, you know, we could do that. And you know what you'd say to your friends? You'd say, this time, we're going to build back better. <laughs> That's what you tell them. <laughs> and this is, you see, the, here's the problem with, with Klaus Schwab. He is expecting to build the Great Reset on the ashes of capitalism. Right. Ashes. I'm, I'm not talking about just the infrastructure of, ca- of capitalism. I'm talking about the ashes of the free market economic system that the world has enjoyed for thousands of years. They want to burn it to the ground so that technocracy can ascend. And that's the only way it's going to happen, I'm afraid. I mean, if, if, if there was enough life left in our current economic system and these people weren't trying to murder it, uh, it probably would not happen. It didn't happen. Actually, you know what? It didn't happen back in the, the 30s and the 40s. Like they said, they, they were sure capitalism was going to die. It didn't. Uh, World War II uh, pulled out uh, the economic system, and capitalism continued. Oh. But uh, I'll tell you what. The technocrats are mad about you. that. Who is it? It's a talk show. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of, one of the things that one of the things that that uh, comes up, and a lot of people out there in the audience may not know, but one of the key points that Klaus Schwab has said, and correct me if I'm wrong, Patrick, is that property rights 
will be non-existent in a great reset. That's exactly right. And th- this, that was one of the original tenets of technocracy, by the way, no property rights. That was also written into Agenda 21 back in uh, 1992, that property rights are a thing of the past. You don't need to own anything. You just mess it up anyway. <laughs> but what, what's happened with, uh, you know, I, th- I think it was Klaus Schwab or the World Economic Forum released this little video clip of a cute girl in the Netherlands or somewhere, maybe Denmark, and she was just cute as a bug, you know, and she, she was saying, um, I, own, I don't own anything, and I'm so happy. And then she went on to say that uh, she she could rent anything she needed. She, she needed a, a you know a pan for a recipe. She could she could dial you know dial up on her phone whatever and 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 get a pot delivered or a pan delivered to her front door and she could cook her meal and then put it back out and they would take it away the next day and she'd just pay a small fee. And she said, "I own nothing, and I'm perfectly happy." And this is the. World Economic Forum uh, mantra for everybody. You don't even own anything. But here's, here's my question, and you'll immediately see the, the folly in this. That poor young lady owned nothing. Then who did own all the stuff that got rented to her? <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> it's like it ain't her. And if, if all the rest of people in society don't own anything... Somebody has to own it, right? Well, that's going to be the global oligarchs will own everything and and lease it out on a pay-per-view type of a mentality to people when they need stuff. That means you will completely be their slave. Correct. And, and, And one of the things that's happening now for anyone out there who's not paying attention you'll you'll start listening to the current administration there's they're they're pushing the universal basic income where they oh, yeah. want they want to basically put everyone on a monthly stipend yep and they're that's, busy doing it right now yeah that's <laughs> part of, that's part yep. of the stimulus that now has been pushed and and labeled <laughs> COVID stimulus, but the long-term effect, because it's part of the Great Reset. It's part of the Great Reset. Yes, it is. And I have to interject here uh, also that that was one of the basic uh, planks of early technocracy in the 30s was universal basic income. That's yeah. how they wanted the system to run. Definitely. I want to touch, because uh, I, know, I know you have another interview coming up. I want to touch on the relationship, the collusion between big tech and big pharma. That, oh, yeah. that's, that's a huge, because that's what a lot of us are facing when we try to post something related to the current uh, COVID situation. Yeah. Yes. There, what, there is a... Yeah, there's a very dynamic relationship between uh, big pharma and big tech. And uh, let me kind of, I think, explain it to you this way. Mm -hmm. Uh, We think big pharma as representing kind of the general medical community, and that's only true up to a point. Take, take for instance, IBM. They're not a medical company. But IBM created an artificial intelligence program called Watson. 
which uh, it, it is read in uh, every medical journal on the planet, and every day it reads every new medical journal on the planet. And doctors can use Watson, talk to it in natural language, and say, i got a patient that has this, that, and the other. Uh, what do you think is wrong with him, and what's, what's going to happen to him? Are we, you know, is he going to die? Are we going to treat him? How are we going to treat him, et cetera? So Watson and IBM have created this medical division, if you will, around their technology where they all of a sudden become part of, quote-unquote, big, big pharma, right? I mean, they're part of the medical world now. In a very, I mean, I, when IBM enters the room, <laughs> I'll tell you what, you know somebody's entered the room. But let's take, take another company. Take Google, for instance. Google has, um, most people don't know this, but Google has a huge health division where they are collecting data from hospitals and patients all over the country, actually all over the world, but they want to use artificial intelligence for the same reason that um, IBM does. And so they're building these uh, evidence-based um, you know, databases where they can do predictive analysis and you know, all kinds of research and stuff on, on the medical community. And they are embedded, just like China is embedded in the United States. Google is embedded with big pharma up to their eyeballs. <laughs> they can't be separated. They're, they're on the same team. And what's good for one is good for the others. So what's happened is, and this has been a voluntary thing, I don't think Google's being uh, forced or you know, muscled into supporting big pharma or censoring anti-big pharma things. No, I think they're, I think they're playing on the same team. Mm -hmm. And they both have a common interest in the end, and that is to dominate humanity, dominate health, dominate humanity by doing so. Um, and this, I realize this is a scary thing I just said, but this is the way it's shaping up. And, you know, when you look at technocracy, you have to add one more, probably one more concept into it, and that's the concept of transhumanism. Yes. And the two ideologies are joined at the hip right now. Um, it, they're both based on a very twisted, evil philosophical system called scientism, where science is everything, you know, science is a god. And they are the priests of that God. And <clears throat> transhumanism suggests that, that mankind can, can do enough science and stuff to ultimately become immortal and escape death. I kind of got bad news for them on that, but I won't go into that here. But that's what they think, that they're going to escape death. And so all of these, um, and, and they're going to escape death, by the way, through genetic engineering. That's mm. That's their goal right now. Now that they can do it, oh, man, the gold rush is on, I'm telling you. So everybody's into genetic engineering now, including all the vaccine companies. <laughs> right. You know, Moderna is leading the pack. Um, this is gene manipulation for the human race. This is not good. And, it, it, you know, when you consider this collusion between, like, a Google and any any big pharma company, take a pick, uh and now they want to stick some type of engineering product into your body, better think twice before you do it. That's all I can say. Well, They want the, to get their hooks into you. Well, Patrick, one of the most revealing things that I've found, which is really interesting, Moderna, which is one of the uh, vaccine makers, basically mm -hmm. on their own website, 
on their own website because this is you know they like to bring up a uh, conspiracy and 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 fake news well on their own website they're telling you that their covid vaccine is an operating system that's right and people are not really understanding what it is uh an operating system in a computer basically does a lot of the coding, rebooting, modifying. You know that's an operating system. Yes. That's, that's right. what they're telling you that your 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 vaccine shot is. Another yes. another aspect of this, which has been kept very quiet, and a lot of people don't know about it, the FDA did not approve. Uh, and give these vaccine makers a license. They right. gave them an emergency authorization use because of the pandemic, and they gave them two years to basically get everything through the clinical trials. So what I'm telling folks out there, they're doing their clinical trial on individuals. That's right. That's right, on on hundreds of millions of individuals at this point. Um, in Phoenix, Arizona, by the way, uh, trials just started this week on children. And if Moderna is the one that's sponsoring the trial. They're going to inject 6,000 children in Arizona with their Moderna, Moderna uh, GMO gene therapy shot starting at six months of age, yeah. to 12 years of age. Definitely, this, definitely. Makes, this makes my, my hair curl, and I don't have curly hair. <laughs> it uh, really does. It's, uh, it's so disturbing. Yeah, very disturbing, very, very disturbing. Uh, one of the, can, can you give us uh, your website and the book set that you're currently working on? I can. Um, my professional website is technocracy.news, and they can find out all kinds of information on there. There's over uh, 4,500 articles now that I've posted over the years that are fully indexed and fully categorized that I picked up from all over the world uh, having to do with technocracy. So it is, a, it is the library of modern technocracy, let me put it that way, and also the journal of modern technocracy because I post every day news stories that pertain to what's going on in the current uh, realm. But my passion right now is with citizensforfreespeech.org. And we are a nonprofit organization. Um, we're not uh, commercial in any way. We are the people's organization. That's why we call ourselves Citizens for Free Speech. And we attempt to defend and support the First Amendment. There's a lot to be said on that, maybe another day. But, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the basic thing is our director of training, for instance, says if you don't have a seat at the table, you are what's on the menu tonight. And that's <laughs> I true. like that. I know. That's, that's absolutely true. You need to get up, get out in your community, become a local activist, and start cleaning this stuff out, up from the ground up. And the only, at this point, the only firewall we can put around ourselves is our local community. And there's right. many, many things that can be done on a local basis to do that. So that's what we're trying to do at, uh, as Citizens for Free Speech is equip people to be good, effective local activists. And there's no time to waste. <laughs> there's, there's no charge to join either because it is free speech after all. 
But uh, if somebody wants to go deeper than just joining with us, they can become a volunteer and get involved in all kinds of things around the how country. About, how, about, how about if they want to donate? Absolutely. Uh, we're op- yeah, we're running on the donations of our, uh, of our members, and, and people are being uh, very generous because they're understanding the stake, <laughs> what's going on here. Yeah. But I don't want to charge uh, anybody a required fee to be part of uh, Citizens for Free Speech because free speech is supposed to be free. Exactly. And, you know, that's only right. If somebody doesn't have the money, and there are plenty of people that write, oh, I'm retired, I'm on a pension, I don't, you can't help but say, look, you are an important citizen in this country, sir or ma'am, yeah. and uh, you are a valuable person whether you have money or not. We want to help you. If you want to be a good, effective local activist, we're going to help you, and somebody else will pay it forward, you know, cover the charge. And that's been our philosophy from day one. It's worked very well, and everybody understands it. Some some people will be with us a year, never give a dime, and then all of a sudden, boom, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. You know, and they have the money. And somebody else, you know, we get more people involved. But so far, in the last uh, year and a half uh, of really intense operation, we're approaching thirty thousand members nationwide. So we're becoming a a force to be reckoned with. Definitely. that is my hope that we will be forced to be reckoned with as a uh, a horde, if you will, of local activists that are willing to open their mouths, re-engage in civil debate again, and get stuff done in their own community. And I might add too, uh, there's lots of people that need to restore a lot of love relationships that they've lost this last year. You know, families have been separated, children aren't speaking to their parents, and vice versa. You know, best friends aren't besties anymore. Uh, it's been a train wreck, personally, for so many people. Right. And uh, what we're what we're teaching people on how to communicate, you know, in the civic arena, has great importance in restoring those personal love relationships that you've lost. And I realize that's just from a human, heartfelt perspective. That is so important to so many people to do that they're just sick to death their hearts are broken that they that they don't have those relationships anymore because of the stupid covid thing right well i i i can tell you that i'm definitely going to get this information plus our listening audience that has the information because we need to grow those 30,000 to 60 to 100 to a million uh because I think that an organization like yours is badly needed. Yes. I mean, it's, uh, we, enough people need to know about your organization and, and how we can come together because there, is, there, there are some evil forces out there that are trying to really create and continue mm-hmm. to create wreck, wrecking our, our, our great nation. Yes, that's, you're exactly right. And we, you know, times are wasting. I have to say, we we may not have another round at this, and there may be more trouble coming down the pike. This this COVID thing is not going to go away, and there may be some other threats that are coming at us. We haven't even discussed those and won't, but there are other things that the, another shoe might drop before this year is over that will put us even into a greater pickle. So Definitely. those who are unable or unwilling to speak up for free speech today. Uh, you know, what will they do when when 
uh, Uncle Sam comes with a needle to stick it in their arm. It's going to be really tough to resist it at that point. And anything like that, progressively, just gets worse. And uh, America's not ready. I don't think America's ready to live in a tyrannical scientific dictatorship. I just don't think we're ready for it. To respect your time, I know you've got another interview coming up. Uh, Patrick, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Uh, We definitely want you back for a a total First Amendment um, interview, and we'll be in touch. That would be good. Thanks for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, All right. That was Patrick (laughs) Wood, the founder and director of Citizens for Free Speech. Fantastic. I would say that the the next thing that we need to talk about is what is currently happening uh, in regards to what's coming up and what we're facing. And as Patrick had mentioned, we definitely need to be out there. Do not fall asleep. You know, even if you cannot donate, become more active because once we lose it, it's going to be difficult to get that free speech that we have enjoyed for centuries. So it, it, we're, in a, we're in a deep fight against some individuals that, that are not really going to do us any so to me let's focus on coming together we're running out of time as we mentioned the great reset is not a conspiracy it's reality great reset it's going to be implemented if we allow it to be implemented not just in the united states but around the world you know, and people say, well, you know, I live here. It doesn't matter what happens around the world. Well, it's going to impact everyone. So, I mean, we've seen protests in Denmark, in, in Europe, in, in Latin America, in Africa. So you're seeing a beginning of people waking up. They've had enough of this mandatory dictatorship that is being pushed around the world. And as long as we sit back and feel comfortable because it doesn't, it does, it's not affecting me now, well, I'm sorry, but it, it is going to affect us. And if we fall asleep on it, it's not going to. And next week we have an interesting show regarding what's happening on the southern border. And it's going to really bring about what is the real reality of what's occurring on the southern border. I mean, we hear on the news the different perspectives of what's happening, but in reality, we're not being, we're not being told what actually is happening. My guest next week, will give you up to the moment, up to the minute details of what's actually happening. And it's not pretty, not pretty. 
And again, this is all part of the great reset. Inform yourself, get educated, listen to our program. Every week you'll have vast amount of information, vast amount of information on what's going on because if you don't, you're going to fall behind on what's actually happening. And that's not going to be, it's not, like I said, it's not going to be pretty. So God bless America. Have a great week. And we'll see each other, not next Thursday, but the following Thursday, Broadcasting Politics. Thank you. God bless. Bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.